What is going on, you guys? Welcome to the Strong Life Podcast. Before I get into today's episode, I'm going to give you three things that I think are really important and that are going to be helpful for you. Number one, I have an app, Strong Life app. Everything is linked in the show notes that I'm going to talk to you about today. The Strong Life app is awesome. I do the programming in there. It's easy to use. It's a workout app. It's only a workout app. I've got dumbbell workouts, body weight, beginner, three days, five days, train like Kendra, and I'm doing a core challenge all through 2024. So you want to get in on that for sure. It's cheap. It's $14.99 a month if you pay monthly, or you can pay for the whole year, 99 bucks a month, which is, or 99 bucks a year, which is a steal. The second thing is I'm partnered with an awesome company called Just Meats. The meat is grass-fed and grass-finished. It's based in Utah. It's absolutely delicious. It is easy. It is affordable. You get the meat right delivered to your house. It's prepared and it's cooked and ready. And it's amazing. It's restaurant quality is the best way I can describe it. You'll make your meals in three to five minutes. No joke. It comes with different sauces you can use. It's super macro-friendly. And if you're somebody like me who doesn't love to cook, who doesn't have a lot of time to cook. I am a go out to dinner type of girl. So when I'm at home, I really need things to be fast and easy. And this has given me a huge variety. You get $15 off your order when you use my link and code Kendra15. And also they're doing promotions all the time. So just stay tuned for that. You can get a subscription. So for me, I have it delivered once a month to my house and I don't have to think about it again. And it actually saves me money in the long run. And the third thing is I use the First Form app to coach my clients and to coach people who are, let's say you're tracking in some other app, but you don't know if your macros are right. You want somebody to take a look at it. That's what I do. I have a high volume people through this app. It's $12.99 a month. I can see your food. I can help you with customized macros, workout programming, and supplementation to be able to help you reach your goals. All the people you see on my social media have come to me through the app. They found me on different platforms. They've been referred to me by friends. I don't do a lot of one-on-one coaching anymore. I have a few clients and I'll do some openings throughout the year. I do some group coaching, but the app coaching is amazing. I can send video messages to you for feedback. You do weekly check-ins. And as long as you're willing to meet me halfway, it's an amazing, affordable way to go. It's really me on the other end of the app too, by the way. I do have help in there, but these are people that I'm closely connected to that I trust and meet with on a regular basis. So those are three things I want you to know. Without further ado, here is today's episode. In today's episode, you're going to hear about creatine. I wanted to give you a little bit of an intro before I dive into the actual episode itself. So I'm recording this section separately and we're going to edit it into the beginning of the episode. Here's what I did. I had a really, really good lecture on creatine and read a couple of papers on creatine, which I've read in the past and I've been using creatine for years. And I thought it would be interesting to do common misconceptions and then some of the benefits of creatine at a higher level. And I went back and forth. The reason I'm editing this now is because I kind of went back and forth about how deep I get into the science and enzymes in the body and where creatine is found. And so I edited some of that out. It just, I don't know, after I listened to it, it didn't make sense. So I'm starting with the energy systems in our bodies and what's available to us and how long things last. I'm hoping this is just about as basic as it can be without oversimplifying it to the point that it's just what I'm saying is wrong. 
So I do a little of my own fact checking when I do episodes like this. So I think this one will be helpful. Always remember, I'm not a doctor. You have to make your own decisions. I do have some strong opinions on creatine based on the evidence, my own personal experience, and the experience of many people I've worked with closely. So there's there's a lot of reasons to be educated about this if you're a coach, if you're an athlete. So I have reviewed those papers, misconceptions, and I'm going to give you an overview and I hope you find it helpful. Let me know, of course, if you have any questions and thanks for listening. So energy is divided into kind of three categories and it's, we have immediate sources of energy. We have short-term sources of energy and we have long-term sources of energy and In the kind of max burst range, which is one to five seconds, that's the phosphagen system. That's where we use ATP. We're we're using ATP and glycogen in all of these, but there's always a primary source of energy for the work that we're doing. We have short-term energy, which is glycolysis, and this is about max work for no more than two minutes. And then we have long-term sources of energy, and this is called oxidative phosphorylation, and that's max work lasting longer than, than two minutes. So when you're working with an athlete or you are an athlete of any level, I don't care. Like I do CrossFit with women that are like, I'm not that strong, but it's your version of strong. It's relative to you. When you're working with athletes, or again, you are, you have to understand the me- the metabolic demands of the sports. It's not harmful for you to understand how the body resynthesizes ATP and then the rates which it can be resynthesized. I mean, I think you know, I've, I've never been to a class, CrossFit or anything else, where any coach says, don't forget to get your protein or make sure you've eaten carbohydrates or everybody here should be taking creatine. I'm not sure that's necessarily the role of a coach in a setting like that. But if you are a one-on-one coach, this you should be familiar with. And if you're an athlete, you should be taking this all into consideration and applying it for yourself. I think you'll really be kind of blown away at uh, the benefits of creatine. Creatine is no longer just a sports supplement or performance supplement. It's helped, and I'll get into this a little bit, but it helps with depressive symptoms, improve those. It's being looked at um, in the treatment of autism. It is incredible for cognition, concussion prevention, and not to mention lean body mass, muscle protein synthesis or muscle hypertrophy, strength. You're going to see from the kind of common misconceptions and questions, there's really no downside. And it's something that I take every single day, regardless of whether or not I'm working out. And I recommend to people to do the same. I'm not a doctor, obviously. You have to make your own decisions. I'm not pushing creatine. I'm just educating you so you can make good decisions just like you do with protein, with carbohydrate sources, with anything else. And I will, as this semester goes on, I'll be getting into other things like vitamin D, protein, um, fat oxidation, and kind of give you guys a little more information on that. So creatine is useful in many, many sports, but even taking that aside, we're going to kind of imagine it its use in an, as an overall health supplement, um, again, daily, like multivitamin, vitamin D. I also take creatine. That's, that's how we can be thinking about it. 
So I've got 12 common misconceptions that are in this article, and most of them are going to go by pretty quickly, but some of them are actually really important. So one of the reasons an athlete would consume creatine is due to our limited supply of phosphocreatine in skeletal muscle. Believe it or not, creatine is found in our bodies. We create it, but it's also in red meats and fish, but you would have to consume quite a bit. Um, but some people do. And so they already have natural creatine stores. But one of the reasons we would supplement is to be able to improve things like power exercises in sports, traditional heavy lifting, sprint intervals. And I can think of lots of examples of workouts that I do where I'll just use a specific example because it, it was so it's so perfect. I did a CrossFit workout about a month ago, maybe something like that, at the gym I go to in Maine. And we started off with two like just fast wall walks. And then you jumped off the wall walks and you jump on a bike and you sprint for 10 calories. So that whole amount of work was under one minute, but it was all out. We rested for, I think, like four minutes between sets. And I feel like we did six sets. So it was like, not only was it, short-term power to get that work done, but it was extended over several minutes. So you had six sets. Um, some people like threw up and a lot of people slowly decline. You do your two wall walks, you're okay. And then there's this lag and then you hop on the bike. You can spin pretty fast for like five seconds. And we've all been there where you're doing like, then you slowly decline. So you have that initial like explosive power, which is ATP. And then you sort of slip into this slightly slower, but still grueling pace. And you start to use other energy sources. Now, I would expect an athlete who has had no use of this supplement would start supplementing with creatine and would experience a slight improvement in exercise like that, not to mention a variety of other exercises, but that's just one that comes to me as like, you guys could imagine, right? That first wall walk, maybe you power off the floor by the second one, even you're sort of a little bit slower. You hop on the bike, you've got good gas for a second or five, and then you decline again. This is where you can think of creatine as helping that, not to mention power, strength, all those other things. So that's, I just kind of want to level where creatine would come into play in terms of helping an athlete improve, not to mention, again, all of the other health benefits. So number one misconception, does creatine lead to water retention? I get this one a lot. Um, and so the great thing about this review is that they have reviewed over 500 peer-reviewed publications. And then creatine, we know, is one of the most studied supplements aside from caffeine. It's for 20 years. And so I'm just going to give you the big picture here. Spoiler alert, it's safe. And pretty much anything you hear about it from kidney failure, kidney disease to weight gain, hair loss, those are not true, but a lot of those are based on some study that was done at some point that got out, you know, some level of information and just, it's really hard to come back for that from that. It's the same thing as HRT not being safe for women. There was a study 20 years ago that's, you know, kind of connected 
HRT, hormone replacement therapy, and breast cancer. And it's been debunked over and over and over and over and over again, but that's still out there. And it's still something that people say. It's very, as you know, I mean, in life, right? It's like you do one stupid thing and you have to do a thousand things that aren't stupid for somebody to even maybe possibly think you're not an idiot. And, you know, that's kind of this world too. So creatine is in your body. It's formed from reactions involving amino acids, um, arginine, glycine, and methanine in the kidneys and liver. And I think that's just kind of a note for you to kind of understand that it's formed in the body and supplementing with it is super helpful. Does creatine lead to water retention only in early loading stages? Sodium is involved in the transport of creatine into the muscle. So water will also be taken up into the muscle to maintain that kind of intracellular balance. And many studies show no significant gains. Now it is effective in increasing muscle creatine content, which is associated with an increase in lean body mass. So I think for women, particularly you worry about weight gain, even if you look better, even if you're leaner, even if you're stronger, something about that scale going up. But all that is to say there may be something in the loading phase if you did a loading phase of creatine, but overall there's not this consistent weight gain. And you'll we'll come back to this because we'll be talking about increase in fat mass as well, which there's no indication of that. So is creatine a anabolic steroid? Some people associate it with that because bodybuilders take it and that's kind of where it all started, but that is not at all what it is. So anabolic steroids are synthetic version of testosterone. And so no, creatine has a completely different chemical structure. It's not an anabolic steroid. It's converted to phosphocreatine regulated by the enzyme creatine kinase, which we talked about earlier, that sort of reaction in the muscles and used to create intracellular adenosine triphosphate. And so it's just, it's a completely different structure than something like an anabolic steroid or, you know, testosterone. We'll just leave it at that. No, it's not an anabolic steroid. Does creatine cause kidney damage? Now, this is one that is really interesting because I get this question a lot and I wasn't really comfortable answering it necessarily in a way that I felt like, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, so you have to make your own decisions. I do have a lot of people. In fact, I'm DMing a woman now who wanted me to kind of research this a little bit. So I have it here. She asked her doctor, the doctor didn't know, and it doesn't surprise me. Like, you know, your general practitioner probably isn't going to know the details of creatine. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of one of those things. Like the more I do this, the more I realize, like, just because you're a personal trainer or nutrition coach or doctor, it doesn't mean you're the best at it. You know what I'm saying? Like you need to be reading things and staying up to date and it's just time. And speaking from experience, sometimes it's hard to kind of sit there and read things and research. And so I, it doesn't surprise me that your doctor wouldn't necessarily know about this. But one of the biggest myths, second to dietary protein causing kidney disease or damage that people even tell me to this day, um, and some doctors even will tell them that, like, oh, whoa, you got to back off on that dietary protein. The idea that creatine can cause kidney damage is, is up there as well. So there's over 20 years of research and there is 
no evidence of kidney damage. So there's always this one study. So in 1998, there was a case study. Somebody was treated for kidney disease, and they also started ingesting uh, creatine supplementation at the same time. There were some signs of elevated creatinine levels. And so the patient was encouraged to discontinue creatine supplementation. Long story short, because that case study was published, there was this kind of misconception that there was a connection between the two. Later was found out there was not. And again, it was studied over and over and over again, and that was not able to be replicated anywhere. And that's really important. I think people blow that off. Like people try to replicate studies a lot. And if you can't, you could say that one was an outlier. And also when you're talking about case studies, these are often observational. So you don't control for what the subject does. So that's a big problem when it comes to major decision making um, or saying that something just doesn't work for anybody because there was some issue with this person. There's You can't tell what else they were doing. And you'll see that a lot as a theme here in the literature. Does creatine cause hair loss? Again, this is this is a no. There's no real increase in testosterone, free testosterone, DHT, or hair loss or baldness. So the majority of speculation regarding that relationship between creatine supplementation and hair loss, it's from a single study that was done, um, and I don't have the year. I'd have to go back through the references, but were college-aged male rugby players who supplemented with creatine um, experienced an increase in serum dihydrotestosterone, which is DHT, concentrations over time. Specifically, DHT increased by 56% after the seven-day loading period, and it remained 40% above baseline after a 14-day maintenance period. So these were statistically significant compared to when the subjects consumed a placebo. So given the changes in these hormones, particularly that DHT, they have been linked to some, but not all, occurrences of baldness and hair loss. So even though there wasn't hair loss, because DHT was linked to that, there was an assumption there would be hair loss. No hair loss was reported and no hair loss has been reported. But it's funny, I was at the ISSN conference last summer in um, Fort Lauderdale and the guy, Dr. Creatine is bald. And then he referenced like three papers and all of the guys who wrote the papers were bald. And it, he was really funny about it, obviously, like the irony of that. But I mean, bald, like straight up bald. So anyway, no hair loss has been reported. Dehydration and cramping. That's another one. In 2000, American College uh, Sports Medicine reported that creatine should be avoided based on the premise that Creatine is an active substance found in skeletal muscle and may alter whole body fluid distributions by increasing intracellular water uptake and retention. So again, this was based on anecdotal evidence of athletes cramping, but this is observational in nature. So it could be the athletes were consuming other things. It could be they were dehydrated in general. Water may not have been controlled for. So it was kind of like another one of those things where it got out there, but then has not been able to be replicated. So water, dehydration and cramping 
could be a cause from other things, but there's not enough evidence that it's due to creatine for anybody to be uh, assuming that it's that creatine is the culprit here. Does it increase fat mass? I'm going to skip six. We're going to go to, does it increase fat mass? Actually, six was, is it harmful to children? No, it's safe. And in fact, it's it's beneficial. And I didn't dive into that one, but for the same health benefits I mentioned before, it's more and more is being used. Dr. Bill Campbell, my mentor, gives it to his children. Jack has been taking it since he was a teenager. He first started. And I had those similar misconceptions. In fact, I think I even did a talk like four years ago about it. One of the problems that I had with creatine had nothing to do with the supplement itself and had to do with like, to me, creatine seemed like if you get a 14-year-old who gets their hands on it and starts thinking they're going to get bigger like a boy, is it the same kind of gateway thing where a girl starts taking diet pills thinking she's going to get smaller and now we're sort of too soon in in a child's development. We're moving into substances for performance or substances for weight loss. But I think my view on that has changed a little bit. So that's the position on children. So seven, does it increase fat mass? Again, gain in body mass, but there's no study showing that there's a gain in fat mass due to its use. So again, for women who are always, even if you look better, you're leaner, you have more muscle, you have a physique you want, but the scale goes up, it just gets in our head. So where men are like, I gained weight. Yeah. Like that's like a goal oftentimes, but that gain in lean body mass is not associated with gain in fat mass, that's really important to understand. So that would be a good thing, right? Our our muscles would be growing. Strength is probably improving, maybe. Although remember, there's not this guarantee that if you get stronger, you get bigger. Number eight is loading phase required. And no, there's not a loading phase required. You can take a couple different approaches with creatine. You can do a loading phase and I'll go through that. So loading phase would be 20 to 25 grams a day for five to seven days. And then you maintain at three to five grams a day thereafter. It's very simple. During that loading phase, you would space out those five grams four times a day. Now that's maybe a pain in the ass for some people. I, I don't know, but so that's effective. Or you can just do a three to five grams per day, every day. And within a month, you'll be fully loaded. So either way, and it seems that it just absolutely doesn't matter, but it's also not required to load like that. I'd probably load because I'd be like, I want to get it done as fast as possible, but I'm already in the, I'm already there. The other thing is people ask me about dosing all the time. At that same ISSN conference, Dr. Creatine takes 10 grams a day just to be safe. I'm probably in the five gram a day camp now. I've read enough research that I don't, doesn't seem as though 10 is necessary. Doesn't also seem to be a downside, but it's pretty cheap creatine. It's one of the cheapest supplements you can buy for it's especially, it's just an incredible bang for your buck. Um, but it's like 25 bucks or 30 bucks for 50 servings or something like that. It's really cheap. So I'm going five grams a day, which is one scoop of that I have. That's where I've landed. Don't get all twisted around that with me because I've said different things. I've said, I'll do 10. You got to do what's right for you, but no harm with 10, but doesn't sound like there's a need. Beneficial for older adults. Oh my goodness. Yes. 
So it plays a role in age-related sarcopenia. So sarcopenia is a progressive and generalized skeletal muscle condition, and that's associated with increase in the likelihood of adverse events in an older person's life, negative outcomes, falls and fractures, physical disability, and just mortality in general. And that's something that's happening to most people, and it's just part of the aging process. So creatine combined with resistance training in older adults, and when I say that, like over 65, 70, okay, like it's still possible to make improvements. It has been linked to gains in muscle strength and just overall functional performance. So not necessarily muscle mass. That's not the most important thing. It's going to be strength. And it's undeniably beneficial. Many, many studies have been done on this. So I try to get my parents to take it. It's very difficult for them for some reason. And every time I go see my dad, he's like, how do I take that creatine again? And I'm like, dude, I have showed you like a million times. I'm going to get on that. (laughs) Same with resistance training. I'm going to get down in that basement. Like, get after it. I can't say it anymore. Um, But anyway, so... Now using it through the aging process is going to be really beneficial to all of us. Is it only for power sports? No, it is not only for power sports. I'm going to kind of read this to you because I think it's really interesting. So although creatine supplementation has been theorized to primarily benefit athletes involved in high intensity, intermittent resistance power type activities, there is a lot of evidence of the benefits of other activities. For example, this is what is interesting. Creatine supplementation with carbohydrate or carbohydrate and protein has been reported to promote greater muscle glycogen storage than carbohydrate supplement alone, which is amazing. Since glycogen replenishment is important for promoting recovery and preventing overtraining during intense training periods, okay, so that's why I always do carbohydrates before my workouts, carbohydrates after, it is helpful for recovery, and a lot of just shit out there is getting people no carbohydrates for fat loss, and you're forgetting about how important they are for performance and recovery and overall body composition improvements. Like they're part of that process. So stop depleting them. So creatine supplementation may help athletes who deplete large amounts of glycogen during training and performance. So think of, you know, It's going to help you maintain optimal glycogen levels. So think of anything running. And again, think of things over those, you know, two minutes, which is a lot of people that listen to me are running, doing different endurance type events. So it's really important that maintaining those glycogen levels is key and doing that with creatine and carbohydrates is awesome. The other thing is there could be evidence that creatine supplementation may reduce muscle damage and enhance recovery from intense exercise. So that's really important. Now, don't get confused about the muscle damage like that you are working on getting from, and I wouldn't even call it muscle damage from hypertrophy. Like there's a lot of garbage information out there that even I used to spew about what's happening to your muscles. But when you're lifting and trying to build muscle, you're recruiting 
muscle fibers. Your goal is to get to failure. And on the flip side, these endurance sports, you're trying to preserve and you're trying to recover and you're trying to um, avoid that muscle damage. It's a different type of training and creatine does appear to be able to help that too, which is cool. Oh, this is my favorite one. Only for men. No, 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 no. Um, In fact, females have been reported to have lower levels of creatine in the brain. Increasing creatine concentrations, which is what we do with supplementation, in the brain as a result of supplementation, particularly in females, may support the reported benefits of reducing symptoms of depression and effects of traumatic brain injury. So depression is about two times higher among females throughout the reproductive years and accelerates around puberty hormonal changes. It has been shown, creatine, to significantly augment cerebral PCR, which is the phosphocreatine, and phosphagen 1, particularly in females. So it appears that that supplementation is effective for supporting creatine kinetics, mood, pregnancy, and fetal outcomes, which is amazing. I'm going to skip through all the details of that and also get to this one other point that I thought was really interesting. Accumulating research over the past decade in postmenopausal females demonstrates that creatine supplementation during a resistance training program, which you know I'm all about, can improve muscle mass, which we like, upper and lower body strength, which is sounds good to me. And tasks of functionality, so 30-second chair stand, lying prone stand test, arm curl test, all of these were improved through multiple studies. And supplementing with creatine appears to be a really good option for postmenopausal females to improve muscle quality and performance. And in addition to its beneficial effects on aging muscle, creatine supplementation may also have favorable effects on bone in postmenopausal females if combined with resistance training. But resistance training helps us build bone. That impact is really important. And if creatine can increase power and strength, all of those kind of um, side benefits of that, secondary benefits, are possible for us too. So I thought that was really interesting about women is particularly the mood stuff. It is true. It's hard to be a woman. We're so complex. And then the last one is creatine monohydrate is the most studied. So there are other supplements on the market, creatine supplements. Some say they certain types dissolve better, um, but the one that has been studied is creatine monohydrate. And it is the most objectively effective form of creatine. And that's where you you mostly see. So I hope that gives you a good overview. I hope that kind of helps debunk some of the things. Again, the study that I read was called Common Questions and Misconceptions About Creatine Supplementation. What does the scientific evidence really show by Antonio et al.? This was in 2021 in the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition. And you can look this up on PubMed if you want to read. But I think my job here with creatine is done. And 
If you have any questions, you can DM me on any one of the million platforms I have. I would just recommend you start adding this in daily. Now, one thing I want to mention, it's not a pump product. So you're not going to be like, oh, I took creatine and then, woo, I just got this crazy pump. It's not caffeine. It's not a stimulant. It has no taste, no flavor. You can put it in water. I put it in my post-workout shake, not because of any other reason than that's when I remember it. Although in this sports nutrition class, I am anticipating we're going to get better information on if there is a, a better time to supplement with creatine during the day. And I'll let you know, if you're a coach, you should be telling your athletes about it. If you're an athlete, you should be taking it. And again, if you have any questions, you can consult with your doctor who may or may not know about it at this point. But that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I hope you found something valuable here. Listen, if you have not yet, please, please rate the show. It's really helpful. Five stars, no four stars. If, if you have feedback for me, send it somewhere, but not in the reviews. That's so, it's so rough for creators who spend a lot of time getting information out there. And then, I mean, I'll take the feedback and make the improvements. Somebody told me not to be so chatty in the front end, so... I'm trying my best. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Thank you for, you know, being here and supporting the podcast. Share it. And um, you guys have the best day ever. 